listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Check, check, check. No, it was terrible. <laughs> it did not, you did not make it work. so bad. That was terrible. That was such a I bad sermon. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Modern Parables podcast. It's so good to be back in studio for this new year. I am one of your hosts, as always, Tyler Sanders, joined by my co-hosts with no adjectives, Isaac and Noah. Well, it's good to be back. It's been kind of a minute, huh? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit? It's yeah. been it's been like a month since we've actually sat down and recorded in a studio. But it's good to be I know back. you 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 missed it. Oh, I know. I mean, I stayed awake every single night waiting <laughs> to the day we could record Modern Parables, and we get to have an amazing guest today. Great segue, right? Yeah, we have an amazing it's guest. Like he does all the time. Man. I know. You're so good. I know. It's we have an amazing guest in the studio with us today. We have Nito. Nito. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Ex- explain, What's your real name? T- t- yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. My real name, as I mentioned on Coffee and Calling, you should go check out Coffee and Calling. It's great. Ooh, um, yeah, plug, shameless. Is Corey, and you know <laughs> I need to follow through on a promise I made because I said you know if I come back I'll share why you don't call me Corey. Oh, that's facts. And so because you're a neato kind of guy. Yeah, that's it. Nope. Um, but my real name. It's Corey. Full name Corey Vincent Slack Jr. So if you're trying to assume oh. my identity, that's where you got to start. CVS. CVS. <gasps> JR. That's the key. CVS JR. JR. Mm. Uh, Isaac, what is what is Junior in Spanish? Do you know? Junior? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. That one I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, you're about to learn. Um, I'm Puerto Rican. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, Thank Puerto you. Ricans. Um, Some of the best looking people are from Puerto Rico. That's what I've always yeah. said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, anyways, growing up, my name was obviously Corey. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't work. And so my family started calling me Junito, which is junior in Spanish. And huh. so when I was about two years old, the Corey thing just didn't work. Me and my dad, blah, 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 they didn't like it. And so my brother, uh, who's two years older than me, he couldn't say Junito, and he just said Nito. Aww. And so since I was two years old, wow, everyone in my life has called me Nito. That's cool. No one calls me Corey. Aww. Absolutely no one. All right. Well, Thanks Corey, for sharing that, Corey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's has that. anybody ever said like Corey and you like responded? Um, like my really close friends back home, if they need to get my attention and I'm just out of it, uh, I'll get a Corey and then I'll like snap or mm-hmm. something but or if i'm in like big trouble back home my mom will be like okay Corey," and i just, but she says Ooh. Corey vincent no she just gets me oh. Corey. wow you don't need to go both when you're going to just the real name exactly uh, peel back all the dang Anyways, yeah but yeah that's that's, that's cool that's cool nito tell us a little bit Corey. nito whatever uh nito i'm gonna call him vincent <laughs> vincent vinny vinny <laughs> my cousin vinny you know <laughs> Well, my cousin Vinny, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing in life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, 
No, I am in the current program studying Christian ministry, um, getting ready to go into a career of missions, which I'm super excited about, super scared at times, but that's healthy and good. Um, So I'm kind of just living life at Iowa, learning, loving, doing all the things. Yeah. What are some of the places you've already been? I've served in Cuba. I lived there for a month in 2018, um, learning about how Christians exist and operate in that culture. Um, and then I went with the same program in 2020 at the very beginning um, and lived in India for a month, um, learning about the Christian community there. Mm. Um, and then I served in Bosnia and Herzegovina for two months, um, summer of 21, um, with missions organization. And hopefully this summer, I got some stuff in the works to Ooh. be going somewhere else. Mm. Do you know where? I do know where, but I don't want to spill the beans yet. So next time, oh, if you no. invite me back. Dude, he just does it over and over. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know the story to my name. <laughs> Bring me back on. That's right. And so, for so, all you listeners out there, write your guesses, and then maybe sometime soon you'll figure it out. Oh, oh that's good. And Nito's going to give a prize? Yes. If you guess, I will... Half gallon of mango lemonade? Yes, I will make it happen. Half gallon. <laughs> well, Nito, we are very excited you're here. Uh, we're all big fans of Nito and all the things you do. You are a wonderful leader around IWU and uh, an amazing champion of sharing the gospel around the world and being a champion of getting... More workers for the harvest. So thank you for thank that. You. What's the scripture you brought for us today? Yeah, um, this has been something that's been on my heart a lot recently. Um, shout out Brian Bernius. Um, but in the book of Hosea, when we look at chapter 11, I will read a little bit. So this is Hosea 11, um, starting at the beginning. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God Most High. I will by no means exalt them. Hmm. Hmm. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Wow. Um, Thinking about the greater context of where this is taking place, um, the northern kingdom of Israel has just kind of fallen completely away um, and renewing the Assyrian invasion and destruction Mm -hmm. of the city. Um, and thinking about how God views them, even in that, um, Mm. the whole, basically chapters four through 10 leading up to this talk about how they have a punishment coming for them. And because of their actions, there's judgment, um, headed their way basically. Yeah. And I think it, this section in Jose especially really encapsulates well, the truth, grace, and love of God all in one, because Mm. you see him saying, you know, there will come judgment for you. But I just love, like in verse one, um, when Israel was a child, I loved him yeah. and I called him my son. And just like the the paternal aspects that you see throughout this little passage, um, I didn't grow up with a father figure in my life. And so having this here to look at and say, God views me the same way, even when I make mistakes, even mm-hmm. when I do stupid things, even when I turn away, um, is really encouraging and really beautiful to see, you know, he views me in the same way that he viewed them um, and that I have an opportunity to turn back even when I mm. think I've fixed it all and allowed him to um, heal all of the sin in my life. There's still so much more that I can turn over. Um, 
Yeah, I just really love it. Dang. Dude, that's actually crazy that um, you bring this up because I was reading before this um, talking about kind of just you get to like kingdom with David and then you start going after him mm-hmm. and it comes to Solomon. And Solomon was a good king for a while, but then ended up falling into being um, lustful and consumed with all the wealth and power and all of those things. But then after that game, this, the divide into the north and south. Mm-hmm. And so you're yeah. talking about the north, right? And how Assyria is coming to destroy them. And it's crazy because this is coming. God is being, this is justice, right? And God's being true to his word. As in when he makes the covenant with these people and it says, when you turn from this covenant, then there will be punishment. Mm-hmm. But if you stick to this covenant, obey my commands, then there'll be blessing. Yeah. And so in this, you see him being true to his word. This is justice, the truth, right? But then he's also like, even in that, I'm still going to uphold this. Mm, I'm still yeah. going to love you. And you talked about taking it to our lives where when we mess up and all these things, and it's like, God still loves you. Even farther, these are people that are not repenting mm, of yeah. their sin. You know, how much worse is it when if I were to sin and boast in my sin and not repent, God still chases me like this, like yeah. a father with their, with their son. Yeah. And it's this beautiful image of, and you just can't get away from him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always going to, pursue you even when you spit in his face and they say you you still praise me as most high god Mm -hmm. they still say that but their hearts are far from him even if their lips are praising their hearts are still far from him and i think you hit it on the head like we're learning some of this in one of our other class with jeremiah we're seeing it with the babylonian exile coming up it's the same kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's that beautiful sense of grace truth and love yeah Mm -hmm. and i love what you said like the relentless pursuit of god despite them you know i think when I was growing up, I thought that that meant God was like, you know, a, a cop in my rearview mirror <laughs> that was just chasing me down and there was yeah. nothing I could do to run away, uh, like run away from him and all this and that. But then when you think about it from like a paternal aspect of like knowing that he has your best interest in mind and mm. he will do anything to pursue you and keep you from those things that are going to hurt you. It just like, yeah. it brings it to such mm. a different light. Yeah, I think of when you are a mentor or a, a pastor of a congregation or you walk alongside someone for a long time and kind of in the same vein, you've taught them how to walk. You've showed them the way you've done this and that. The more you press in, the further they get away. It doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, this passage, there, there is judgment coming, but yeah, I, it's almost in, not encouraging, but I, as a pastor, as a mentor, when the person that you're walking alongside is just not having it, they're just not listening they're not responding. Like that's not on you. Right, like that is not you are not the Messiah. You don't you, that, that Messiah complex. You can throw that in the trash because mm-hmm. there is only one Messiah. And although you do what you are, you faithful what you have. Sometimes it just doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. Yet you look at Jose. Look at all the prophets. Like there are judgment coming, but there is always room to come back. So you may have walked along someone alongside someone for years, but it's not until they're twenty five that they come back and say, "Hey, you know that conversation that we had ten years ago." Yeah, I still remember it, and mm. I've, come, I've come back. Yeah, yeah so yeah. You're, you're planting seeds, not seeing the fruit, but yet the Lord's still moving and still waiting and still wanting you to turn back. Wow. Mm. Could you imagine, like, God asking you to be faithful with this word to this people? And if you take our mindset of being successful and being faithful even, mm-hmm. is their response. Yeah. And many times their response isn't repentance. Right. It takes a long while to get there. Mm-hmm. And so if we took our mindset with that, we'd be like, Jose was a failure. Jeremiah, failure. And it's like, no, they're being faithful to God. Mm-hmm. Or in Nehemiah, at the end, he's just like, God, remember what I did. 
I was faithful to you. These people are not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just that sense of like, the only thing we can hold our hold ourselves accountable for is like, were you faithful to God? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because we associate success with numbers and growth, but that's not how the upside down kingdom works. Right. Yeah. Good. I think you got yeah. you hit it on the head really well. Dang. I don't have anything to add. What it's a great. passage. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that. That's a yeah. good that's a good word. Um, but as you guys know, if you have been listening or if you're new, since we just rooted ourselves in scripture, now we'll move to the topic generator. Ooh. And so we'll get a random topic and then we'll hit this button and whoever hits it first gets to give their sermon illustration. So Tyler, let's get to it. What do you think the sound is going to be for the button today? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I just hope it's not long because long sounds, <laughs> they distract yeah, me. Uh, yeah, that's true. All right, <laughs> let's get to it. Let's get to it. And uh, stop. Aquarium. Oh Aquariums. my gosh. Can we give a test noise for this button? Tyler, I want you to, okay. to oh, hit gosh. it. Okay. Here we your, go. Bring your mic up. What do, you, what do you think that was? And who did on it? On topic, I mean. I don't know what the heck that is. Was that Nito? It was not me. It was. It would have been very out of character. For, it was you. Yeah. Clearly. I, I was trying to be a dolphin. Oh. <laughs> I just was being too loud when I did it. That's Nick, though. It was a good dolphin noise. This just doesn't oh, yeah. record that well. Oh, yeah. That's that very true. Very That's true. true. That's yeah, true. but it makes it funny. Hilarious. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, f- some fun facts. Uh, uh, the the aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia, is formerly the largest aquarium in wow. the entire world, mm-hmm. but currently still is the number one in the entire nation, the U.S. Uh, fact check, Nito, is that correct? That is correct. It's okay. currently number two in the world, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it so sounds long. like you're laughing. It's also like slightly too long. Yeah. It's just enough to where it's awkward. Yeah. You know? Okay. So an aquarium, everything is kind of on display, right? Mm. Uh, in scripture, we see that we're called to be above reproach. Yeah. So often the pastors are on a pedestal. Mm. They live in a glass house, right? I think that's the saying. Mm. Glass, glass house. Is that what it is? Glass box. Glass bowl, whatever. Um, Fish like, bowl. No matter where you go, where you are, you're always on watch. You're always supposed to be above, which first of all, I think there's, that's wrong just from a sense of we're, we're putting pastors on a pedestal they, that they can't stand on, mm-hmm. right? They're going to fall. They're going to mess up. We look at almost every single infamous, not infamous, every single famous pastor or famous communicator or famous evangelist. There, there's always a downside mm-hmm. because we are not perfect. But yet we are called to be above reproach. So although we're not supposed to kind of be on display, that that's kind of the downside, especially if we're going to be in ministry. So this is something that like Isaac has helped me with. Like we need accountability to to see the areas that we're blind to. Yeah. Um, asking the hard questions like Isaac, hey man, what do you think about this? And he tells me the hard truth, and I have to make a correction because perception is reality, right? That's the, that's the yeah. thing that you've been saying a lot yeah. lately, Isaac. And I think that's accurate and. Yeah, sometimes it sucks, but that is the life that we are called to as pastors. Um, so sometimes we are like an aquarium that everyone's watching around, like seeing everything, like seeing the feces mm-hmm. in the bottom of the cage and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so uh, what I thought of when aquariums came up, and this also accounts for zoos as well. Uh, you ever have a kid that gets up there and starts tapping on the glass? Oh. Do what I want you to do, right? Like, <laughs> is that you? Oh, 100. <laughs> So it's, beluga whale. <laughs> it, it's like in the very first Harry Potter uh, when mm. uh, 
the Dursley boy, Dudley, when he gets up, Harry Potter, he's talking to the snake and Dudley butts and he's like, hey, why don't you do something, snake, right? That's how he talks in the movie, I think, right? No, but he taps on the glass and then Harry sends him in, you know, and then the snake's like, thank you, right? Okay, but going back to the aquarium bit, kids and people, they want to be entertained, so they smack the glass, they want you to do things, they try to make you and force you into different scenarios and different things, and I think for a pastor specifically, talking about being in a fishbowl, talking about being always kind of out there, front and center, congregants, people, they, they, they expect you to act a certain way, so they'll hit the glass to make you do it, and they'll do it over and over and over again. And there's two things that come out of this. One is there should be someone in our lives that's kind of on the periphery that says, hey, kid, don't smack the glass. Mm-hmm. There needs to be somebody there to protect us mm-hmm pastors in that role as well but then the other thing is you know don't don't perform like monkeys for people right don't don't act and make a performance out of your lives as a pastor something that we were talking about just in a meeting a little bit ago is the difference between the ministry life and the christian life and as it's my belief that as a pastor you have to pull double duty you have to do the role of a pastor but at the same time you have to do the life of a normative, ordinary Christian. Mm, And you can't combine the two because then it mixes and muddies the water and you can get burnt out on this side and then you can get kind of deprived on this side and you can make your Christian life just work. Um, So they have to be separate and you have to do both. And people will smack the glass of your life and continue to tell you you have to be and do things. But you, as the fish or the eel or the whale or the beluga whale you have to you have to just live your life through the lens of god guiding you and whatever that looks like that's good so i kind of have two i'll hit on the first one pretty fast with aquariums i'm not gonna lie it was beautiful to see but i got bored pretty fast just which aquarium the georgia Georgia Aquarium. yeah but it's because the listeners don't know that we actually did go to the georgia aquarium yeah so but that's the same aspect. Like, even zoos. I get bored pretty fast. Yeah. But it's like, once I've been there once, I don't really want to go back because there's nothing really new for me to yeah. see or mm. to learn or whatever. Um, but the thing is, that's not at all how the Bible is. Ooh. In a sense good. that when we go to the Bible, many of us know, the more you learn and the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you'll learn that you actually don't know as much as you thought. And there's always something more to learn to return to this. Yeah. Um, but the other one that I was thinking of was, I think, like, when you watch it in, in the aquarium with these whales, and it's super cool to see. Um, but also, at the same time, these the the whales, the, the sharks that are in there, they were meant to swim so much farther, so much faster, yeah. do so many more things yep. than what they're doing in that aquarium. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times, a lot of us are created to do a lot more than what we, what we think so. Yeah. Or, like, other people have put us in a box or as True. pastors, we can't be people that put put other people in a box to say, this is exactly what you're supposed to do and you can't go outside of it. It's yeah. like, no, we need to help them find the reason for what the, the reason God created them, you know, in, in their giftings and their purpose and let them loose on that. Yeah. To trust the spirit to guide them for us not to put up this box, but to let them loose with the Holy Spirit to guide them to go and swim the thousands of miles that they're supposed to swim yeah. instead of just putting them, them in this container that we're just trying to pump out the perfect Christian that yeah. we see it is. It's good. Which is usually ourselves. And I just want to add just a little bit of back backstory to that point. Um, do, you know, do you guys know 
the one main shark that is not featured in many aquariums around the world. Great white? The great white. There's a reason that only that there's there are stories and reports of why great white sharks can't survive in aquariums. They can't survive in places like SeaWorld for more than a week or I think the longest recorded time a great white shark has ever been in an aquarium for people to view is 2 months. That's it. Every single one has died. There's a reason why because they need all that space that you're talking mm. about because they bump into the walls so much they die. Mm. Yes, because they're trying, they have to keep going. They have to keep, because if a shark stops swimming, certain sharks, if they stop swimming, they die because the way their gills work is the water rushes through their gills when they swim forward. So with a great white shark, you have to put them in a certain space. And even if you give them a huge space, they will still die Hmm. in captivity. So just adding some backstory to that. Yeah. (laughs) I missed the first time. Um, Imagine if you went to the aquarium, or you went to the zoo, and you walk in, and you look at a seahorse. You're like, oh, that's a great seahorse. And you're like, all right. Isaac, what else. does a seahorse sound like? The same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you're, you're at the aquarium, you're at the zoo, whatever. And then you go to the next exhibit, and it's a seahorse. And you're like, oh. Okay, all right. <laughs> and you go to the next exhibit. And it's a seahorse. Mm. I get so bored. You get bored. You get <laughs> tired of it. You'd say, okay, what do, I don't want to go see a bunch of seahorses. It's time to go. Yeah. Is that what the church has become? <laughs> we are called to be this beautiful collection of people that are different and gifted yeah. and created in unique ways. But sometimes we stifle that and mm. say, okay, you have to fit into this narrative right. that I have for you. You yeah. have to look like this. You have to think like me. Yeah. Wow. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to be like an aquarium, to be like in a zoo that is unique, that is gifted, that is independent, that is sometimes different than what's around us. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we can only become what's around us either. Yeah. Like we need to remain an individual. Yeah, that's good. The diversity brings the unity. Because you, exactly. can, you can even pull that illustration out more and talk about the environment of the enclosures. You can talk about the themes of different regions of the world when you're talking about a zoo and mm, that's a, yeah. that's a really cool i like that a lot i like that a lot i think we're ready to go on the next one okay and stop patty patty, patty. patty. Mm, city of love patty. and it also stinks patty. it does not french people stink you guys been to paris? <laughs> have no. you been to paris i was in paris this summer all right tell us what paris smells like yes it smells fine i will <laughs> tell you one thing ratatouille Accurate at midnight. <laughs> I was so the, the Eiffel Tower like like sparkles at night, right? Yeah. They do it at like every hour on the hour, and then at one a.m. they turn all of the like other lights off, and it's just the twinkly lights. Mm. Me and my friend were like, "Oh, we're gonna go at one a.m. We're gonna see it sparkle." We go see it. It's great, whatever. When we're leaving. Massive rats just start crawling everywhere. They're jumping up on cars like it's insane. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so and, that's accurate. And you're telling me. France doesn't stink. No, or beautiful Paris city. I would go back in a heartbeat. But okay, lots of frog legs. No frog legs. Not about that. Okay, respect for the French wow. culture, but I'm just scared. Yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. So, like what you're kind of just talking about. I was talking to some other people, and I've had this conversation before. A lot of people that come um, over from Europe, whether it's here just at school or um, on the tennis team, whatever, they talk. They talk about Paris because we're talking about traveling, and they're like. I'm gonna be honest, Paris is not as good as what people say. Yeah, the Eiffel Tower, yeah, it's beautiful, but 
you get right outside like that main area, it's pretty trashy, all these things or or whatever. And yeah. I haven't been there, so I'm just taking their word. Regardless, we see it as this picture-perfect thing. But a lot of people say when you get there, there's rats all over. There's there's things that aren't so pretty. And I just thought of the whitewashed tomb. Just mm-hmm. where on from the appearances, it looks good. But then once you kind of get on the inside, you start to see all the flaws and how it's there there aren't as many perfections as you think. There's yeah. rather more imperfections. It's good. Hmm. <laughs> so I, honestly, Paris is way harder for me to come up with an illustration than I thought. But I was thinking about how we romanticize the gospel mm. just like I think we romanticize places like Paris. You're talking about how it's not what it looks like, right? There's rats everywhere. Tyler thinks it stinks, right? Mm-hmm. It's also, I'm guessing it's probably super crowded because people also, always go. They also suck at world wars. <laughs> oh. Also second place in the World Cup. <laughs> anyway, just so many, so many. Paris itself. But I think with the gospel, we... We romanticize it. We kind of water it down. Like, this is something that Dave Smith talked about a lot in his classes. So, love you, mm. Dave Smith. But we don't we don't share the full gospel, mm. right? Like, part of the gospel is is not just salvation. It's sanctification. It's taking up, it's, it's taking up your cross every single day, daily doing that, which is not always what it's cracked up to be. And I think the same thing, we, we, we overhype things, and I think Paris may be an example. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I have another one if you guys don't. Go for it. All right. Oh, shoot. I was looking mine up, and it wasn't going to work out like I thought it would, because I don't think it's true. That's tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a statement that Isaac makes. That he just says, this is the moving on statement. That no, sucks, man. That moving sucks, on. man. That sucks. But, um, I think to go to go back a little bit to what I said before, a lot of people, like, especially here, dream of like, oh, where, do you, where would you like to go? Where would you like Patty, to visit? Patty, I want to go to Patty. Exactly. Paris, so like hopes and dreams to go in. It's this idea of, Parish symbolizes something more for people. It's like this hopes and dreams of being able to travel, yeah. being able to go see the world yeah. in the sense Truth. of, but also Truth. like with, with wealth though. Mm. It's not like just going on your last dime or something like that. It's being able to afford it and live luxuriously there while you're there and then go to another vacation, you know? So it's that mm-hmm. lifestyle. And I think as, as Christians, like we're called to, not, not saying you won't ever go to Paris or go to beautiful places, but we're called to give up that because our only mm. desire and expectation is to pursue Christ. And if it leads us there, then that's good. But so many people are like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work super hard so I can go see Paris, go see these things. And like, God will tag along. It's like, no, if God isn't going to lead me there into these places and I'm going to go to the dumps, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to desire. And that's not going to be my hopes and dreams because my only expectation is Jesus Christ and what he wants for me, because everything else is considered rubbish than, than the pursuit of knowledge of Christ. Woo! Everything else is rubbish. I love it. Rubbish. Good. Yeah, I, I, I could give it a shot, but I don't think it's worth. It's I, all it, good. It's not edifying. Hey, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. We don't need to. We can go on. We can yeah, I was going to talk the, about the sweet life on deck and the breakup episode. Uh, <laughs> to all the Parisians out there, we love you. You got oh, a cool yeah. city. Even though you're stinky. <laughs> to be fair, I found a ticket for only 300 bucks. That's the only reason Whoa. I went. Dude, I found a ticket to go to uh, Spain for 300 bucks. That's the only reason I went. So I want to go. Yeah, you can also just school. buy a cheaper ticket and then just buy a train to go down to Paris. Yeah, else. see, that, that, that'd that be the way to go. That's what I'm you saying. It cheaper I'm than that, saying yeah, I'll so go saying, like, to Spain and then I'll travel in mm, Europe. I'm saying you can buy one for 100 bucks and then go to, then hey, go to Spain. Modern Parables takes on Europe? Oh, my days. <laughs> that would be insane. All right, let's go on to the next one.
The game of what? The like the board, the board game? Life, the board game? Yes. Okay. Or how it life is, is just a game. Mm, it's the the game of life. I'm going to be honest with you, and maybe Isaac can tell me I'm an uncultured swine, but never played the game I of life. I haven't either. I haven't played it since I was I've four. played it before, but like... <laughs> Do you know I how to play it? Thing. Like, could you give us the background on the game of life? You're living life. <laughs> You're trying to Having build kids, a life. getting jobs. You know? Yeah. This is... Pers- this is pushing the American dream. <laughs> I hate it. No. I think I do. We need to go on to a different one. I don't. I, don't even I have one. Of course, of course. Okay. You okay. This will be quick, so we can move on really fast. Yes. What I remember from the game of life. Thanks. I need both mics. Oh my goodness. Okay. So what I remember from the game of life. I remember actually driving with my dad one time in a car, and out of nowhere, I just started talking to him about the game of life, like this little literal game and making connections to our lives and all these things and relating to the Bible and all this. And it's, and I was super young. Mm-hmm. And so it was, my dad talked to me about how encouraging that was like to hear that I'm thinking and processing about this, but it's just the value of like, know that kids are thinking about this and they're able to understand biblical concepts yep. and relate them to things that they're facing in life. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things will teach them. A lot of things will teach them wrong things or good things. Yep. And so don't take for granted like teaching biblical concepts to your kids because they Amen. absorb it. And Amen. I was able to talk about it and apply it to a game. And so it's this idea that we need to be constantly teaching our kids this and not just say they're too young to understand. Yeah. But faith of a child inherits the kingdom of God. Yeah, if you, if you have children... Uh, and uh, they're little, and they can start getting into books. There are little cardboard books. Uh, I forget the series, what it's called. It's like uh, Big Ideas for Little Theologians or something. And it's God, Jesus, the Trinity, all these different things get covered in these books, uh, mm. and they're really good. And That's dope. They, they yeah. flesh that idea out. So highly encourage that One series. One of my biggest pet peeves, especially with curriculum, is that they tend to underestimate the intellect of kids, yeah. of middle schoolers. I knew a five-year-old when I was, yes, producer. Uh, big truths about our big God. Big truths about our big God. Tiny and theologians. Tiny theologians. Okay. So uh, we'll put a link in the description. <laughs> we are not sponsored, but could be. Soon we are be. not sponsored. <laughs> but I knew a five-year-old. He was the son of a United Methodist pastor who had his doctorate, brilliant man, his name was Silas. The boy's name was Silas. Ugh, he put us to shame. All the biblical knowledge he knew as a five-year-old. Yeah. And it was true, factual, biblical knowledge. So it was, it was really good. So, yeah, I, that, that is something. It almost seems like middle school curriculum should be for, like, elementary school. And then high mm-hmm. school should be. Like, it's almost like step down. Yeah, yeah and a lot of it is dumbed down. And yep. a lot of it is, it, it's a shame, too, because then you get, you know, people like me who are dumb. Right? And just, that's it. You get dumb people. <laughs> Praise the Lord, he chooses dumb people. Hey, let's go. All, All right, right, let's go on to the next one. <laughs> like the sushi? Yeah, that's like what I was sushi. Ask. Oh, I N- never had sushi. You've never had sushi? No. I tear up some sushi. <laughs> cooked or uncooked? Raw sushi? So, I mean, it really just depends. Like, over, over Christmas sushi. break, I made a sushi bake. Yeah. If you want to try something new and you like sushi, make a sushi bake. You do it at home, it's easy. If you don't like sushi, you're going to love it. See, I love cooked fish. Being from Florida, mm. I love fish. But there's just something about raw fish rolled up in these little it's tiny... Heavenly. It's just... 
I can't can't get around to it. I almost barfed when I ate a California roll. For I the first love. Time. What's in it? What is in a California roll? Anybody know? Not I believe good things. So we got not good things. Rice, seaweed. Okay. Then I think we the have basics, avocado. Yeah. Okay. Cream cheese, and mm. imitation crab. Yeah, that's I think our imitation crab. And it's yeah, that's like the go-to cooked. for most. Like, imitation. Sushi. Oh, and cucumber. I forgot the cucumber. That's so gross. okay. Take out the cucumber, and that's not that doesn't sound bad. No, it's good. Yeah, but, but they imitation, imitation crab. Why would they not just get you real ever, crab in there? Because crabs are hard to get. So I grew up on the East Coast. In Maryland, it's a thing you do. You go crabbing. You take your crab pots. You go out on the water. You yeah. catch some crabs. Then you go home and eat them. Yeah. You can't just yes. like store them. It well, and fair enough. You could okay. So you can keep them alive, transport them. Right. But they're but, an extremely seasonal and expensive food. This is true. But when I was when I lived in Florida, we would just put traps out on the beach house, vacations house. We would be there, and we would just catch thirteen stone crabs, rip off one of their arms, throw them back, and then eat the arms because they were so good man imitation crab just sounds disgusting to me that's just like chicken in a can right like that's spam ew yeah so but you say it's good no yeah 100 percent. see when when it comes to food i i am learning to trust nito because nito's adventurous and i think he knows what's good shout out sushi club in fisher's area indiana 25 (laughs) dollars Unlimited sushi. And and if you don't like sushi, you can get like rice and noodles and like teriyaki chicken. $25. All right. Modern Parables live from Sushi Club. That's right. In Fishers, Indiana. Okay. I don't have anything for this. I don't have anything. I have literally nothing. Nito, can you save us? Or we can skip the topic too. Let's skip the topic. Okay. Next one. And stop. Oh, oh my heart company. is warm. Wow. No. Not <laughs> oh my god. Imagine gosh. if I didn't know what this was. Dunder Mifflin, the, the people, people person's paper people. people. I will say I've never watched a complete episode of The Office, though. I will okay. say I've watched every episode of The Office yeah. at least nine times. I'm wearing office socks right now. That's if anyone was wondering. Wow. I have a friend who's gone through the show The Office 30 times. Oh my gosh! I love it. It's Ooh. my my guilty pleasure. I told him it became an idol. Yes, my freshman year roommate. He he watched The Office like as soon as it stopped, and we cried at the finale mm, right at the beginning. So mm. wow. So okay. So are we gonna like do this like right and like exclude The Office right? Like put The Office aside and just just, just focus company. on the company Dunder Mifflin Paper Co. And you guys are going to have to do it because I don't know anything. So for all of you Office fans out there, you know how the show starts. Um, they have a clear vision. Um, things are going good, but then some some rocky stuff hits. Mm-hmm. And eventually we switch to Saber, which is a new owner of the company. Yes. Um, Sabre. Sabre, yes. Dunder Mifflin and Sabre. Um, but, you know, they have to shift a little bit. They have to pivot. And, you know, I think that's what our ministry needs to look like sometimes. We can start with a vision, Ooh. and that can be God-given and beautiful and helpful, but if there comes a time where that vision needs to shift or where the Holy Spirit says, okay, I need you to focus on this, we can't stay so attached and mm-hmm. so married to one thing that we have blinders onto anything else that the Spirit could be putting in front mm-hmm. of us. And I think sometimes one thing that I'm really guilty of is saying, okay, God, you put this one thing in front of me. I'm going to pour my everything into this. And anything else is just kind of, you know, below that in some way. Not like yeah. below in like a value perspective, but just this is my top priority. Um, 
And I think when we think about like shifting vision from one thing to another, it's not always a bad thing. You know, it can be a gift to have like a renewed focus. And that doesn't mean that that other thing is less important, but God places certain things in front of you for a reason. And so kind of adopting that and saying, okay, God, if you put this in front of me, there it must be good or yeah. there's a purpose behind it. So, yeah. yeah. Good. Oh my days. dude, you can't go slow. What are you, what are you talking about? You can't go slow here. You can't do it. All right. So Dunder Mifflin, something that Dunder Mifflin in the Scranton branch specifically, they are a people of celebration. Mm, yeah. Michael PPC. Scott. Yeah. PPC. Michael Scott is a person of celebration. He wants to celebrate everything. He wants to celebrate every single person's birthday. Right. Right. He wants to be there to sing the uh, high note on happy birthday <laughs> always and forever. But then they celebrate all kinds of things. Um, you know, Moroccan Christmas. Uh, yeah. Moroccan, uh, the Christmas parties. Whoa. Those are always incredible. Um, Michael Scott is Santa with Kevin on his lap. Michael Scott is Jesus. <laughs> Michael Scott is Jesus. Michael Scott is God, right? All this, all this crazy stuff. The people in Scranton are people of celebration. Are we as a church a people of celebration? And are we celebrating the right things too? Because we can be people of celebration that celebrate the wrong things. We can be at the end of the year, hey, everybody, we grew by 20% numerically. Let's clap our hands for that. Or, hey, the work we did did these tangible things. This person uh, was addicted to heroin, no longer addicted to heroin. Their life is completely turned around because of the ministry of this body of believers. This person here was doing something completely different in life is now called to go overseas and be a missionary. Mm. Are we celebrating the right things? And are we celebrating the little things too? Yeah. That's, we should be a people of celebration like Michael Scott. So Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, what what do they need to be Dunder Mifflin Paper Company? Paper. So they need paper, right? So so if they they have a giant warehouse, right? We see do. Michael doing crazy things in the warehouse mm -hmm. and just repeatedly things go awry. There's yeah. basketball games down there, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. If Dunder Mifflin Paper Company runs out of paper, are they still a paper company? Hmm. Point. So like yeah. you can either say yes or you can say no, mm -hmm. right? So as Christians, when we have the Holy Spirit, we are filled, right? We are able to pour that out, right? Yeah. In the same way that if you have paper, you can give paper. I know it's a very lame analogy, no. but if you run hip. if People you run out it. of Holy Spirit, what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? I have no idea. It's a very theological question. Well, it never you, happened to well, I mean, me before. <laughs> never <laughs> run out of Holy Spirit. To run out? You can't give what you don't have. Yeah. Cool. Right? And so, so if you want to give love of God and you don't have the love of God in you, then you mm. can't give it. Just like the paper company can't give paper if they don't have paper. Right. Bang! Thank you for finishing my illustration for Bang! me. Bang! Bang! Cheers. <laughs> you know, there is a point when Dunder Mifflin starts selling printers. Yeah. They do. They're trying to so, broaden their horizons. Yeah. False gospel. Fake Christians. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm playing. I'm he playing. starts selling the Holy Spirit and circumcision. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think uh, if one more for speed round or? Yeah, let's go. I think speed so. Round. Yeah. Speed round. Speed round. Okay. We've done nothing speedy today in this podcast. I, Everything has been this, elongated. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Stop. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say that. <laughs> oh, my. This hurts my heart. Taco Bell's limited, limited time. time nacho fries that seem to come back every other month. Wow. And I'm still surprised every time. Wow. This is so oddly specific. All right. I'll go. I'll kick us off. Bro, hey, do it. Ready? And just make... Just give us a little bit of background, because I don't know if I've ever had the nacho fries. Nacho fries, really? 
I've have, never had I haven't either. It's something to eat at Taco Bell. There you go. And it comes every once in a while. <laughs> no, they're amazing. Thank you, Isaac. I don't have the background capabilities. What are have. they? French fries. Wait, is no. this the Taco Bell commercial Basically. that they do all the time? They okay, dip and cheese. Okay, okay we're going to get back to you. We're going to let you finish. But Nito's got the greatest out of them all the time. All right, Nito, what is the nacho fries? So take a, take a fry. Okay, take double it. it in thickness. And give it to somebody else. <laughs> and then you like dust it in like nacho seed. Think like a, a Dorito, like a red yeah, bag yeah, yeah. Dorito. Yeah. And then it tastes like that. And then they give you this warm cheese to dip in it. It's awful for Ooh. you. The most American thing on the planet. <laughs> Nothing oh to gosh. do with Mexican good. Yeah. But they're delicious. It's limited time. It and, limited. and I don't know if Taco Bell ever claims to be anything part of Mexican culture, but... They were voted the greatest Mexican restaurant in no. the USA. No. That's so sad. By who? Well, but I mean, think about it. What other... Other than like... Yeah, Chipotle should have beat that. Yeah. But okay, regardless. Sermon illustration. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's go. So, with the limited time nacho fries, everybody praises when the nacho fries come back. Yeah. Mm. And for that time. But then when it goes away, it's like, oh, obviously, nacho fries aren't there. So, it's not anything to, like, nobody really thinks about it until it comes back and it appears. Yeah, like the McRib. And I think, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's many times how it happens with the Spirit and with God, just in general. If When God makes a, a move or something that we can see or feel yeah. or experience. We're, we'll talk about it, like, for days. Ad nauseum, yeah. But then there's months where you don't have that same thing happening, and nobody will talk about the Spirit. Yeah. Or, for example, Easter. Yeah. Jesus dying on the cross. Yep. This comes around once a year, and everybody acts like he's alive that one day, but then for the rest of the year, they act like he's dead. Right. Mm. Yeah. But he's alive forevermore. Right. And so it's not this limited time Amen. nacho fry. Mm. <laughs> uh! Jesus' death on the cross, not a limited time <laughs> nacho fry. You heard it here first. There we go. So not going to lie, every time the, the Taco Bell like has a commercial, it makes me want Taco Bell less. Dong. I know that's, besides that, the commercial where they hit the, the bell and they just like go to Taco Turn Bell. Turn into zombies and go. Yeah. yeah. Other than that commercial, every commercial of Taco Bell is like the exact same. Right. They have the same colors. They've got the same like crazy outlandish thing that goes on. They're like, oh, go to Taco Bell, man. You got to get it. Right. Even this newest one where they have, what's the newest commercial they have Taco Bell? It's like disgusting. It's like these new, I don't even know. Get off TV, bro. <laughs> or maybe I just see the same commercials over and over again. Maybe that's what it is. Well, I mean, when you watch football, you hear that yeah. Whopper commercial over and over. Whopper, Whopper, Whopper. Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> At BK. Sorry, that's Burger King. But. <laughs> Anyways, I'm thinking of of the so there's a this commercial they have like it's like resets right the, the limited time nacho fries like they they get it and it in and, and the thing resets it's yes. like a loop it's yes. like uh yeah it's whatever this the movie is Groundhog Day yeah that yeah, one right right uh, it's the same thing over and over and over again right and I was thinking about how in in culture we have situations and seasons and books and movies that kind of allude to Jesus, right? Mm. There's there's sermon illustrations that are around all the time, right? We we obviously are taking pop culture things and making sermon illustrations. Yeah. But I would suggest, I would teach, I would challenge you to look around to see what's going on in culture and see where Jesus is at work. Or even if 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 artists or authors are writing books or making music or movies that have an underlying Jesus figure in it, right? And that's Eddie Shigley is notorious for every movie he does. He analyzes it to see where Jesus is in it. Mm. Um, but it's it's almost like, where is Jesus in the day, here and now, right? Isaac just talked about how we act like Jesus is dead. 
every other day besides Easter. But in reality, Jesus is at work all around us, but we're not looking for it. Yeah. So if you can intentionally have the mindset of, God, where are you today? Maybe, Mm -hmm. just maybe you'll experience God more. Yeah. Like the nacho fries from Taco Bell. You got anything? I mean, yeah, I think they really hit the nail on the head talking about, you know, how we expect God. Oh, sorry. Um, I think they really hit the nail on the head. Um, when we think about our faith to fry we, and the cheese, we have, yeah, they put the fry and the cheese. Um, we have these crazy experiences or moments where we so tangibly experience God and then we don't. And uh, we yeah. think like, oh, what did I do wrong? What happened? And then we have those moments again and we're like, oh, this is amazing. This is so great. And it's kind of similar to that. Like I just said before, you know, I get excited every time they come back. I'm still so surprised. Like I'm not expecting it. Um, But when we think about our relationship to God, God hasn't changed. Mm. God, nothing is different about him from all of past to all of the future, you know? Um, And when I think about how I experience those tangible moments with God, it's not a difference in God's positioning, but in my posture. Mm. And so why why is it that I have to have this like seldom reckoning with myself of saying, okay, I just experienced God in a tangible way that I don't normally experience him. Yeah. Why is it that way? Why am I not always in a posture to accept that reality of God's presence mm. in my life? You know, it doesn't have to be this limited time once in a blue moon. Okay, go write about it. And then hope and pray that it comes again, but it's something that we can continually pursue and chase after. And then there are special times in our lives where God does speak in ways that are distinct and different, but it doesn't have to be this, okay, I'm only going to experience God's presence this one time or Mm -hmm. when I'm doing this one thing. It's something we can continually be pursuing and chasing after. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's, you know, it's it's like having a crib all the time. That's good. That's it. Praise God. Thank you, Tyler, for bringing us home. I I took Nito's very spiritual point and made it very tangible for our American audience. Mm. You ever had a McRib? No. Me neither. Because because I value my body. (laughs) (laughs) It's a temple of the Holy Ghost. That's right. And you don't want want to put whatever that is. (laughs) You you have no idea what it is. Whatever mystery meat they put in. I think Nito has told us every single time something new about himself, but not explained it enough to where he's forced himself to be back on the podcast. I just leave an open invitation. So I think maybe we have we'll have Nito again back on oh, our parables. Like uh, next week, we're gonna have Nito back just so we can hear that yes. the story of where he's going. The suspense is killing. If us. I have any say, no. What's yeah. your guess? Wait. Okay, so real quick, where he's going. Real quick, it's a place you've never been before. Never been. Is it in Europe? Can you say it? Is it? Not. I don't know if I can. Just I mean, I'm sure. What continent is it on? That'll give it away. I mean, there's plenty of countries on. You're going to answer, Antarctica? Are you going to Russia? Any more questions. Okay. China. <laughs> I'll talk about it next time. Hey. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Nita, thank you for, for being here. Obviously, we're going to have you back because the suspense is killing us. But yeah, look around, see what modern parables there are existing in whatever context that you are at. So we will catch you guys on the next episode. Uh. We would also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank The Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Once again, thank you for stopping by and listening to our crazy sermon illustrations that might actually work. Check back next week for more Modern Parables.